0: Hi, I'm Amanda. And I'm Kim. And this is The Department, a podcast about trends and how they define the world around us. (laughs)
1: good good to hear your voice again
0: yes always always nice to hear yours
1: um well you know i kind of i've been working on this pot this particular podcast for a couple weeks now and of course it's just (laughs) continuing on our trend of talking about food because obviously (laughs) um, this is
0: not a food podcast even though we do talk about frozen desserts a lot
1: we yes you could see a lot of it on our Instagram. Yeah.
0: Lots of uh, Viennetta content. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Which, me- meanwhile, I've only ever had once as a kid. And it was at someone's birthday. And it was okay. just like the most supreme, elegant situation. Totally. But I, I still remember being kind of disappointed.
0: I remember having it also at someone's birthday, but mm-hmm. I feel like it was like in middle school or early yes. high school where it was like, you know, y- you girls are too sophisticated and mature now for cake. Like you have to have a vienetta, And of course we were really excited. And I remember thinking it was fancy, so fancy, mm-hmm. but I think it was mostly just ice cream with like some magic shell in between it, Yeah, that's what it is. Yeah. Yeah. But I still... I still dream of a day where I'm going to come to LA and we are going to sit down together and have a slice of (laughs) Viennetta.
1: We definitely will. We definitely will. But, you know, I I actually can talk about food probably continually for, you know, days on end and like (laughs) food that I've eaten and experiences. I Mm -hmm. love, I love, I love talking about food, but this is actually – this was inspired by the last couple of episodes, and I kind of mentioned that I was going to do it, and it's uh, looking at superfoods, <laughs> which, which is just so funny. <laughs>
0: yeah. You know what? It's like genius marketing, though, because mm-hmm. you hear it, and you're like, well, I have to have this. Oh I don't God, want yeah. mediocre food. I don't want yeah. average food. I don't want so-so food. I want superfood. Like, tell me more.
1: Yeah. Like, a hero – <laughs> or a superhero which one would you prefer
0: exactly a hero kind of like meh like they're really yeah, you know they have, they're okay food. Mm-hmm. yeah
1: <laughs> just food whatever yeah but super
0: food like mm-hmm. sign me up
1: yeah <laughs> done sold i am sold <laughs> oh it tastes like a bitter piece of ass that's okay it's super
0: <laughs> That's the super part of it. That's the super <laughs> I will say, I mean, I'm so excited to talk about this because, like, I'm just going to tell you all, in case you didn't know already, I know I talk about Jell-O and all this other stuff a lot, but the reality is that I've always been that person who gets sucked into every health food trend. Oh, me and- too. Like, since I was a kid, Uh I was, like, I eat shredded wheat. I'm eight, and I love shredded wheat. I'm health conscious, you know? And I was, like, the only kid at school who didn't drink soda. And I loved bottled water. And, like, Mm. you know, and then as I got into college and then became an adult, like, I was always at the health food store. And I was making smoothies. And I was doing the spirulina and royal jelly and trying all these, like, weird cleanses and, like, Mm -hmm. vitamins and supplements. and I mean, you name it. Like, I... I am a sucker for all of these things. Me too. <laughs> and most of them never taste good and I don't enjoy <laughs> myself ever, no. but I'm like, this is the right thing. <laughs> yes, I'm never choking seen, you, them down. Like <laughs> If you invited me over for dinner and you, there were three things on the plate and one was like something that everybody loves, like mashed potatoes, right? And one was like... I don't know, like a medium fine thing, like, you know, some broccoli. And then the other thing was something like hideously disgusting, like you would take in a can of tuna and put oh. it in some sort of canned soup and then put it in jello. I would make myself eat that first because that's <laughs> just how I am. Like, <laughs> anyway. <laughs>
1: Oh, uh, as if I would ever do that to you. Um, but before we launch right into it, which we've kind of already done, you know, <laughs> <laughs> here's my weekly reminder, just to remind you to tell your friends about the podcast, you know, go on our website, in uh, the department.world. Uh, you can send our show notes and all the links are on there or follow us on Instagram. We have a lot of great, content when i'm you know feeling compelled to create it um, <laughs> <laughs> cool. um and also you know make sure to follow us on your preferred streaming service yeah do so that, that alerts you when we have a new drop you know we have we traditionally have been coming out with them every single week and we've just been getting busier and busier and busier with our lives so mm-hmm. we have been breaking them up a little bit there's a couple you know maybe a week in between sometimes so just you know follow us on whatever service you prefer because then it'll let you know when we actually are dropping yes 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 um and then you know um please if your preferred streaming service is Apple podcasts this is a perfect time to give us a star rating and potentially a review I haven't seen a new review
0: I'm appalled. For a few
1: weeks so I mean,
0: do you love us or not tell me <laughs> Because we, reviews make our day. Uh, yeah. I actually, since beginning my journey as a podcaster, have begun writing reviews for podcasts because I know that they make the recipients so happy. <laughs> yeah. yeah they're, they don't come in
1: all that often, you know?
0: No, they don't. They don't. So they're always a treat except for when they're not.
1: Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Except for, yes, those ones do not write those. Yeah, dude, Nobody needs that. Skip those. it.
0: Go do something else.
1: <laughs> Go do you know? something else.
0: Just get out there. You know, it's fall. You know, it's pumpkin season. Go do something that just makes you feel good. If, if you're thinking about <laughs> writing a mean Instagram comment or sending a mean DM or writing a mean review and it doesn't even have to involve the department, just take a break. Go Enjoy a pumpkin
1: spice something.
0: Yeah. Yeah. You know, I had that pumpkin spice seltzer last week. So mm-hmm. if you... Think that maybe coffee with pumpkin isn't your thing. Try that. You know, mm-hmm. I don't know. Go eat some candy corn. Just, you know, do something nice for yourself. And then you're not going to want to do that any that mean stuff anymore. <laughs> <laughs> um, and if you have a suggestion for an episode, you want to tell us about a trend we're missing, share your own story, your feelings, whatever – you can call our hotline number or send us a voice memo that you've recorded on your phone or computer. You can find all that contact information at our website, thedepartment.world, where our show notes live as well.
1: Thank you, Amanda. Thank you. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I well, feel like we're really goofy tonight.
1: <laughs> I know. I, I don't even know why.
0: <laughs> Me neither. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I think it's like the, the cool buzz in the air like it's finally not oppressively hot oh, here it just feels yeah. so much better
0: it's stunning here in lancaster county pennsylvania right now mm-hmm. like just just delight even taking the recycling out i'm like oh
1: oh beautiful what a
0: time to be alive
1: yeah. the leaves are changing yes yes <laughs> lovely <laughs> all right well i'm gonna jump into it okay are you ready i'm ready ready set <laughs> Superfoods. (laughs)
0: What?
1: (laughs) (laughs) You can't swing a dead cat these days without hearing about a superfood. So I got to thinking, you know, where did this trend of superfoods come from? What do they mean and where are they going? Well, there was a study that was released in 2016. I'm kind of taking it. I'm taking a little back way. To this, by the way. Okay. I'm going to get okay. into exactly. it in a second here.
0: Okay. Okay. Um,
1: and it's, yeah, just bear with me here. Um. <laughs> okay. I'm bearing with you here. <laughs> I'm like, is this on topic or not? I guess it's fine. Does it matter? No.
0: No, this um, is our podcast. We can stay on any topic we want to stay totally. on. Totally. We could just well, talk about jello and superfoods for the rest of our lives. Don't worry. Yeah. That's actually true
1: because we would get a lot of a lot of people listening. They really care.
0: Oh, that's what people want, right? Yeah. That's what people want. Anyway, tons of Jello,
1: just a whole podcast on Jello. Um, so, <laughs> a study was released in 2016 by BMJ that found that in America, over 50% of our food is processed food, and only wow. 5% of our food is plant-based food.
0: Huh? Isn't that interesting? I mean- Makes sense to me. Like, go to a grocery store,
1: like a yeah. regular
0: grocery store, like a regular ass grocery store. Like, I hadn't, I hadn't gone to just like a regular grocery store in a really long time before the pandemic. Because you know, I'm like at the health food mm-hmm. store, and you know, I'm going to the bulk section. I'm doing all that really extra stuff, and then to go to a regular grocery store, I was like, oh my god, it's like a totally different food here.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Like just different kinds of, food. and there's like so much variety.
1: Yeah, there's a lot to to pick from.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: Well, they reported that sugar and processed foods are kind of the big contributors to the rising diabetes cases among children. Mm -hmm. And so I was like, okay, well, that was 2016. So it's been five years. So let's see what the studies are out there today. Because that was just something I kind of stumbled on when I was doing a little bit of research. And I found an even more recent study from August of 2021, you know, very recent that looked at the eating habits of almost 34,000 children and adolescents in America. Mm -hmm. And it found that two-thirds, or 67%, of calories consumed by children and adolescents in 2018 came from ultra-processed foods. Ultra, wow. Ultra-processed foods. A jump from 61% in 1999. (laughs) <laughs> it's a, I mean, that's, that's, that's a, lot of, a lot of processed foods. And I'm sure if we looked at 1980 or 1970, you know, just it's, it keeps going up.
0: Well, it does seem like – I mean, like, I, once again, you know, Dylan is an adult. So I'm not, like, feeding a child every day, right? But I see the food at the grocery store that is, like, specifically marketed towards children. And it's a lot of stuff that didn't exist in the same way when we were kids, You know, and we ate TV Mm -hmm. dinners and fruit roll-ups and things like that. But, like, there's just – there's so much more convenience food for children. Mm -hmm. And I think – I mean, you and I talked about this a few episodes back. We talked about how, like, the way children are fed is different now where it was, like, for us, it was, like, here's this disgusting thing on your plate. Either eat it or starve. And now it's, like, there's a lot more, like, food specifically made for children, you know. Right. It's it's like listen, when you have a small child, you're just like, please, will you just eat something? I mean exactly. there was a point where Dylan and I were just eating quesadillas constantly that, because that was the only delicious. food that was acceptable in our yeah. household, apparently. But <laughs> so I get it, but it is it's interesting. It's just like the the approach to feeding children and parenting children is just so different than it was when we were kids, where it was mm-hmm. like, you are a child and you have no rights or say in anything, but also we're gonna kinda treat you like adults mm-hmm. in many ways too, you know? <laughs> Yeah. Weird.
1: We're not yeah. catering to your bullshit. Yes, that was
0: the word my mom would use. We're not catering to you. This is not, you know, a restaurant for you. Like you're gonna eat what we give you. And it was uh-huh. always something gross, you know? <laughs>
1: exactly. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Um, well, processed is not inherent inherently an evil word. Mm-hmm. Um, according to the Food and Drug Administration, the only time a food can be called fresh is literally like from a farm directly to the table, you know, like ripped from the ground or plucked from a tree. Yeah. Um, You know, unprocessed or minimally processed foods, you know, think, you know, 100% natural. Um, It's in that group. It's like fruits and vegetables, eggs, meats, milks, unprocessed foods are considered completely natural. And are typically obtained directly from plants and animals and minimally processed foods are also natural foods that have had a very minor changes such as the removal of inedible parts, fermentation, cooling, freezing, um, or any other process that won't actually add extra ingredients. So it's like, um, like frozen vegetables. You mm-hmm. know that's cons- it's considered processed, but minimally processed. Mm-hmm. Um, but we're not talking about that kind of processing. We're 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 talking about a slightly different type of processing here, which I don't yeah. even really think about that as much. I just mm-hmm. don't because you know it's like I love Cheetos and you know,
0: <laughs> yeah. But those are like food science, right? Like there's mm-hmm. a there's an episode of like how they made it or oh, whatever yeah. that show is called, where they like show how uh, Cheetos are made, and it's wild. You're like, who thought of this? Yeah, you know. I mean, it's, like, the most processed thing, you know? Yeah.
1: Yeah. And I feel like I eat a lot of them, so I'm sure that's <laughs> my – I no idea. I really like cheese. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I try not to have them around, but – I think they're pretty great. The researchers from the University of Sao Paulo and Tufts University defined ultra-processed as formulations of several ingredients which, besides salt, sugar, oils, and fats, include food substances not used in culinary preparations – In particular, flavors, colors, sweeteners, emulsifiers, and other additives used to imitate sensorial qualities of unprocessed or minimally processed food and their culinary preparations, or to disguise undesirable qualities of the final product. I'm like, ew. I don't like that. No. (laughs) No. No. And um, so as classified by the NOVA, a food classification system developed at the University of Sao Paulo in Brazil, ultra-processed foods and beverages is the fourth and final group of foods that are, you know, industrial formulations, Um, you know, and they are derived usually from, you know, hydrogenated fats or modified starches. They're synthesized in laboratories, kind of like this Cheeto situation. And those Mm -hmm. scientists analyzed about, I don't know, 230,000 products Uh, And use that Nova system, and found that seventy one percent of products, such as breads, salad dressings, snacks, foods, sweets, sugary drinks, and more, were all ultra processed. Seventy one percent. Wow,
0: I believe it because I I feel like even the brands that maybe in the aughts or the aughties were like. More natural brands, like I use that term very ironically, right. but they were like the brands you would see at Whole Foods or in the like organic section at the grocery store, right? Even
1: like Nutri-Grain. remember Nutri-Grain yeah. bars?
0: Yeah. Oh, so they're like food science,
1: and they're really dry, and they're sugar—it's just sugar, sugary.
0: But even like, sa- I mean, I salad, salad dressing. Are, oh my gosh! Like I was actually. You know, I usually make my own salad dressing because it's really easy and it's infinitely more delicious. Mm-hmm. Um, but a while back, there there was like a sale on Annie's salad dressings. And Dustin and I were like, oh, we should
1: we should do this. Try it. Yeah, disgusting. We should
0: get these. Oh, my – Kim, I threw them out.
1: Yeah. <clears throat> it's just disgusting. It's disgusting. It, it shouldn't – yeah. I feel like yeah. salad dressings are the most disappointing thing. They are.
0: I mean, there's just no reason to buy them. If you're listening to this – and you need a recipe for salad dressing? Just hit me up. Yeah, <laughs> I've got them.
1: Agree. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, I always kind of like a French vinaigrette, just like oh, a classic. lovely Dijon yeah, yeah. situation. Totally, a little totally. lemon, you know. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, among the top twenty-five manufacturers by sales volume, eighty-six percent of products were classified as ultra ultra processed. So, oh, wow. you know, I mean, I th- in in regards to superfoods. You know, there's actually going to be a lot of processed superfoods, mm, you know? I'm sure. I'm sure. But if this is just kind of a – it's a gateway into, you know, how people try to transition into um, eating try – to, trying to eat healthier and, you know, offset the uh, the nutritional deficiencies of perhaps the their Cheeto obsessions. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, also, it's like – I mean, I'm sure you're going to talk about this. A lot of – these foods or like processed versions of superfoods or health foods or whatever are really misleading and confusing. Like we – you know, every time we go to Costco, Costco is like 50% snack foods and then there's like other stuff there Mm -hmm. like lawn chairs and whatnot. Mm -hmm. And all of the snack foods there really sell this idea of health and wellness and superfoods and having like, you know – high protein, low sugar, like whatever, whatever, whole grains. Then you read the packaging, you're like, this is like really high in sugar, really high in sodium, or actually seems to have no actual food in it. Like it's it's just so much it's so tricky, right? Mm -hmm. Just like a lot everything else in the world. But there's a lot of there's a lot of this like health washing of foods. It is.
1: There is a lot of health washing of foods. Yeah. That's yeah. It, that is a little bit, yeah. It's cryptic and snake oily, but you know, yeah. I think ev- I mean most everything can have some sort of na- word f- like they'll all be like, oh, it's a good source of calcium, and you're like, oh, okay, this um lunchables is a good source of calcium and protein. <laughs> you know, right. like, yeah. You know, always you can always say have some sort of classifier that like <laughs> provides some benefit of what you're eating. You know. Totally. Do you totally. have any favorite processed, like ultra processed foods? Amanda? Oh,
0: man. I mean, I'm just going to tell you, we rarely buy this because neither of us can resist It is like mm-hmm. any kind of cereal. Oh, yeah. Not, And I'm not talking about puffed rice over here. You know, I'm talking like 99.9% of the cereals at the grocery store are actually like highly processed and full of sugar, right? And like we, if we buy any cereal, we, it's like gone in like a day because we can't handle it. We can't handle the yeah. responsibility yeah. of a <laughs> of cereal in this house, but the, I like that's definitely you know I love a mac an instant macaroni and cheese. Mm-hmm. Not gonna lie, mm-hmm. um, I love a canned tomato soup. Oh okay, um, just just
1: pure salt,
0: pure salt. I love a salt. Mm-hmm. Um, we really like we and we. Fortunately, these aren't as widely distributed, so it keeps them out of our house a little bit. These things called popcorners, which are chips made out of popcorn. Yeah. They're totally food science. They have the consistency of styrofoam. They're super salty. There's something like addictive about Uh them. They do Um, have good
1: flavors on them. They do. They
0: do. (laughs) Yeah. They're not, there's no way they're good for you. And we will accidentally eat a whole bag of them and like hate ourselves. So we try to keep that stuff to a minimum around here. Yeah. Also a frozen pizza. Love a frozen oh, pizza. Can't say no to a frozen can't pizza. Can't say no. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I kind of had to, I started getting this stuff called Catered Fit where mm-hmm. it's like you get, you, they make they make it for you and it just comes to your door um, every every night and you have like your meals, two meals mm-hmm. for the right. day. Yeah. I do it for like just a couple, a couple of the days in the week. I don't do it all the time because mm-hmm. you can kind of break it up, but it's like, basically all unprocessed nice you know it's just it's like basically you can choose paleo or vegetarian but it's like it forces me not to only to like minimize my, the, the food that i have in my house because you know you you're, you're eating this other food um and a lot of stuff would you know would just go to waste or whatever um,
0: yeah yeah
1: and yeah. then just forces you to just eat, literally eat well Otherwise, I, you know, who knows what I'll be doing. <laughs> yeah. All yeah. the pizza I'll be eating. Um, <laughs> but anyway, you know, so let's turn our eye actually into this this other direction of superfoods. And, you know, I think we've kind of already touched on this, but I do have to tell you, I am a sucker for the uh-huh. siren song of a superfood. If any mention
0: any mention? I mean, of a super, we especially talked about,
1: about a processed food.
0: We talked about the collagen; how we're all mm, up on the collagen train yeah. and pink powders and all these things. Like we, mm-hmm. we're we're in it
1: <laughs> definitely. Yeah, you know, I feel like a, what, if, a, if a superfood can promise any sort of life changing benefits, you know, I am there. Um, yeah,
0: <laughs> you know,
1: they are technically the celebrities of the health food craze, and what exactly? Are they? Well, superfoods are foods. (laughs) Okay. They're actually, there isn't really technical, like superfoods is literally just a marketing ploy. Um, Oh
0: my, I'm sure. I'm sure. I didn't think that they had to like go through like a certification. Yeah. There's no no one monitoring
1: it. No. Yeah.
0: Yeah. There never is.
1: (laughs) Um, They're mostly plant-based, but there can be some fish and some dairy Um, and they are thought to be nutritionally dense and therefore good for your health. Um, they can also be referred to as functional foods hmm. because they, they function in a way that supports your health. Um, so superfoods often translate into super sales that have created a billion-dollar industry around them. And Nielsen did a survey that found that consumers are willing to pay more for foods perceived as healthy um, and health claims are those real deal clinchers, like, on any sort of packaging. If there's a health claim on it, like, it's actually worth investing in research if that research shows that it can, it can claim some of this these health benefits because mm-hmm. it turns into millions of dollars. Makes
0: sense. Yeah, I hadn't even thought of that, but that – of course. Mm-hmm. Of course.
1: And foods already perceived as healthy that also carry a health claim – Show the greatest sales mm-hmm. <laughs> so you can imagine um, <laughs> you know, and as the trend grows, then it you'll see that upswing you'll see more more and more product being introduced to the market more and more of these foods on restaurant menus more those people are like it just kind of keeps rolling the trend just like builds on top of itself, and that product becomes so much more valuable um you know and of course they can be minimally processed or highly processed or all natural and they when a, when a food like that trends it trends in all those regions mm-hmm. it can be in any of them um so you'll get like you know açaí flavored whatever the fuck like you know candy and it's not like uh, you know <laughs> like maybe it's got like a 2% açaí berry in it but really you know it's really just candy Um, and you know, I actually really noticed that in the past 10 to 12 years, that's really been the time period, like the, where that, that trend has been the biggest driver for that superfood conversation, kind of in line with the nutrition and wellness craze. Mm -hmm. And there's actually a lot of data points and research, particularly, I think around this peak time period of 2015, 2016, where it was like the highest point for superfood. Um, And there's, yeah, so there's a lot of like research and a lot of data points and a lot of, a lot of things happening around there, but they were also happening beforehand too, but within Mm -hmm. like, you know, maybe five, 10 years. Um, Do you remember when people were walking around wearing kale t-shirts and sweatshirts? Uh
0: How many vendors showed me a kale t-shirt from their line? Right? It was (laughs)
1: everywhere. And I actually didn't know that the, one of the reasons it blew up was because in 2014, Beyonce wore a kale sweatshirt in her 7-Eleven video, uh-huh. and it just went off. Everyone Makes wanted sense. it. That was yeah. 2014.
0: I mean, kale is good, though. I'm just saying, kale is kale is good. good.
1: Yeah, kale is good if, yeah. it can be pre- if it's prepared well. It's great. Yeah,
0: it's great. I
1: love a I love a kale Caesar. Oh um, my! God. I was
0: just gonna say that. Yeah, that's I my love fave. one.
1: That's yeah. my five. I love I love it. It's it really it holds the the dressing well and it, and it yeah. holds it needs to soak in a little bit it's great
0: mm-hmm. yeah it's great
1: um so mintel gnpd the global new products database reveals that between 2011 and 2015 there was a phenomenal 202 percent increase globally in the number of new food and drink products launched containing that term superfood super fruit or super grain <laughs>
0: super grain. I don't like
1: it. Uh Uh, Yeah. Ancient grains, super grains, you know.
0: What's the difference? Uh, I don't know. It's all marketing. It's all marketing. Yeah.
1: And, you know, understanding the importance of nutritional qualities of food is actually really uh, or relatively new, not really new, but relatively new. And really only recently has scientists actually understood the correlation of food, health, and disease within basically the first half of the 20th century when they let led to the discovery of identification and synthesis of many of the known essential vitamins and minerals and their use to prevent and treat nutritional deficiency related diseases. Huh. So superfoods started coming out of those discoveries and, you know, marketing people started to actually start utilize them in the kind of, um, early mid part of the 20th century, you know, cause it offered this great marketing engine for many of the producers after scientific findings. Um, and they were able to create messaging around it. Um, so the question is where did the superfood really originate? Well, what's very fascinating. I think I mentioned this on the last episode with that you were talking about is that the humble banana was really the first food <laughs> that was treated as a superfood
0: not that yeah. interesting? It's interesting because, like, I I mean, bananas are one of those things that people either swear by for health or, like, speak out against for health. Like, it's, like, a controversial food. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> yeah. Mm. It's interesting. Like, some people are, like, it's too carby, uh, you know, mm. there's no sugar. And I told you about how there was all that drama with, like, vegan YouTube with mm-hmm. all these vegans who only eat – only oh, yeah. eat bananas. Like – it's just I don't know. It's really weird. It's really, really weird. <laughs>
1: that is that is really weird. I do know that they are they are pretty nutri- nutritionally dense. You know, yeah. I mean the the key is to actually have a well rounded diet.
0: Yeah, like don't just eat bananas. Just please, don't just eat bananas. Please. Like that,
1: then it doesn't turn into a superfood. Then it's like,
0: it's
1: like yeah, it's just unhappy. deficient in everything else. Yeah, yeah. I <laughs> understand eating a bunch of bananas. Um, and so it this like. Superfood development wasn't actually a narrative developed by scientists or dietitians. It was a food marketing strategy that was created in the early 20th century, kind of around World War I. Curiously, right during that time of the great learning and exploration about food and health. Hmm. And so the Harvard School of Health has this really great article that I'll link in the show notes that kind of uncovers the bananas rise to popularity. (laughs) (laughs) So the United Fruit Company initiated a really smart and rather enthusiastic advertising campaign to promote its major import of bananas. Mm -hmm. You know, they had a lot of bananas. So clearly they hired some rather creative marketing people to come in and generate sales. And they leaned into the nutrition, nutritious value, you know, of it being easy, cheap, easily digestible and coming sealed by nature in a germ proof peel. And they marketed it as a food that one should eat on a daily basis and incorporate it in nearly every meal. And they published pamphlets, uh, including points about bananas and the food value of the banana uh, and, and they offered suggestions on how to add more bananas to your diet, like adding it to cereal or in your favorite jello dessert. You know, it was like sneaking mm-hmm. it into all mm-hmm. these places so that people would eat more and more and more bananas. And the popularity of the banana skyrocketed after it was endorsed in medical journals. You know, physicians published their findings of a banana diet treating certain diseases like celiacs and diabetes. Um, the American Medical Association announced that bananas in a child's diet would provide relief for celiac disease or cure it. And of course, gluten had not actually been discovered as the true culprit yet. Mm-hmm. Um, but bananas soon bore this extreme emblem of health and mothers made bananas a dietary staple for their children and infants, even if they did not have celiac disease. Uh, and the United Fruit Company Included these health benefits in all of its promotional material and press and flaunted headlights about headlights about bananas birthing the banana diet craze. Um, Amanda, do you have any foods that you actually consider super or actively try to enjoy?
0: <laughs> I mean, I eat a lot of kale. I eat a lot of broccoli. Mm-hmm. Yeah, broccoli. Um, I, it's so funny. I looked – let me tell you, if you Google like list of superfoods or superfoods, there are so many different lists yes. from different people and basically a lot of stuff is a superfood depending on who you ask, like a lot of fruits, mm-hmm. dark chocolate. I mean, who doesn't love that? And like coffee, figs, green tea. I mean, these are all things we have in our house. I, You know, we eat quinoa and squash mm-hmm. and nuts and seeds and stuff, but uh, – it's like interesting how many different lists there are of this, like yeah. depending on who you
1: ask, you know. And then of course there's there's opposite lists that are like don't ever eat coffee or dark chocolate or.
0: <laughs> I know, dude. Every week there's like Fruit. a new study about yeah. coffee or dark dark chocolate or red wine. You know these things yeah. like olive or oil. Eggs. Yes, olive oil. No, yeah. Eggs is another one. Oh, God, I love I love an egg, a hard boiled mm-hmm. egg. Even um, like
1: coconut oil.
0: Coconut oil is one of those ones that like I see. Contradicting things mm-hmm. about all the time. I will say that like a lot of the people who follow the keto diet will eat a lot of coconut oil in things mm-hmm. or butter, like these things that are kind of superfoods. Uh, and they'll end up like having diarrhea constantly. And yeah. <laughs> I think it's related. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, it just seems like if if you're eating a lot of like clearly unprocessed foods, you're probably eating a lot of superfoods. It seems to be, Mm
1: -hmm.
0: you know, if it's like it grew in the ground, it's probably a superfood. Yeah, yeah. And yeah, if it's (laughs) a
1: vegetable. Yeah. If it's 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 a a fruit or a vegetable. vegetable, Yeah, it's
0: probably a superfood according to someone. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Exactly. So I actually recently did this precision health test called Viome which is actually another startup craze. And this crazy like trend that's going around.
0: Mm-hmm. You know,
1: I just wasn't feeling that great. I was super tired and worn down and apathetic. And, you know, I'm like really actively trying to make healthy decisions, get lots of sleep and water and eating really healthy. I mean, I literally have healthy food delivered to me and I exercise a lot, you know, and I even did a yearly physical, like the first one in years and just didn't find anything. And I was like, all right, let's try one of these, like, home test kits or whatever. You know, they're not, like, cheap or anything. Mm-hmm. But I think to understand what's happening in your body, I think that it's not a bad investment. Um, and so, you know, the, there has been these trends in these home test kits that measure your health with sophisticated lab testing. Um, and this one in particular is, to, you know, to understand – your microbiome and general health scores. And of course the microbiome is like just a huge trend in itself.
0: Oh my gosh. I'm reading about it constantly. Like I they love think it. your microbiome probably relates to Alzheimer's.
1: Yes. You know? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It's so fascinating. I yeah, I was listening to a podcast recently that was talking about that and I I was just like, this is so incredible. Um, you know, and I recently got my results back. You know, I sent in my Samples and it took you know four mo- four weeks, four weeks to get the samples back, and you send them to a, like a te- uh, like a lab. They do all these testing, and I've been just fascinated by them. Mm-hmm. And you know you get this basically this like it's on an app, but you can also download a seventy five page report. Oh, good lord! Oh, it's it, it's extremely intense, and it looks at your metabolic health or your mod- metabolic functioning, your gut health, cellular level, mitochondrial health. Immune system and stress response. It even tells you your biological age, wow. and then it makes food recommendation recommendations as well as supplements and pro and prebiotic recommendations, um, and gives you like essentially a diet to support your microbiome and try to make yourself feel a little bit better. And you know, it, it, they create these personalized superfoods in your list. They're mm-hmm. foods that are particularly beneficial to supporting a lot of your functionings and ha- gut health and things like that, which was so interesting to get because it was like alfalfa sprouts and apple, artichoke, asparagus, banana, black eyed okay, peas, yeah. bone broth,
0: mm-hmm, broccoli, trendy.
1: and cabbage. Huh. Those are or my – I just ate a bunch of those for dinner. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Really? That's that's what it recommends? And then, so it, it yeah, it also tells you what you should enjoy. And luckily, I can enjoy, like, dairy things and lots of things, like, you know, and then things that you should be of completely avoiding, which uh-huh. is really, really interesting for me, or minimizing. Um, so, like, some of the foods to totally avoid or minimize are actually well-known superfoods. Oh, really? Like what? So I'm recommended to avoid or minimize foods like beets, turmeric, spinach, Mm. almonds, and to totally avoid right now tomatoes, melon, and bell peppers. Interesting. Foods I I specifically have added to my diet for their health benefits.
0: I mean that's how it goes. Like I've talked on on the show before about how I was having a lot of stomach problems. Mm-hmm. Like just and 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 it wasn't just my stomach. Like I just felt terrible. Like everything yeah. felt off and you know I went to my doctor and I had I went to see a naturopath and I had to do this test that involved I'm sorry to say this but collecting poop in cups for like a week and ship yeah. it off at FedEx. Uh what a weird job it would be to open those FedEx packages oh God, all day. Um but you know what it came back is like I was eating so many of these things that we think of as healthy that were just destroying my gut health. Yeah. You know, and it was like, yeah, tomatoes can't tolerate them. You know, a lot of different fruits and vegetables actually mm-hmm. make me feel worse instead of better. And mm-hmm. it was it was interesting because – as I felt worse, I was doubling down on some of these things. You interesting. Know? It was like making you eat. Isn't that yeah. interesting? It's super interesting. Like beets can't eat them; they make me sick. I mean, mm-hmm. I get it. Like a lot of these things were really messing up the way my body was running, and it's mm-hmm. it's hard, you know, because I'm married to a vegetarian uh, who also is like a super foodman, and like he would pref- like we almost our bodies would prefer to eat opposite sets of superfoods so it's really mm-hmm. hard to find that balance like he wants to eat a lot of beans and i just like i'm sorry i can't do it yeah <laughs> so yeah. that it's been it's been challenging for sure
1: I, I remember you actually doing that and you were like oh i can't eat avocados right now like mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> i, I can, was like oh. i can eat them now yeah but yeah, like, you have to work I, on it i had to yeah i had to like do like a, like a, just the most intense elimination diet for six months. Uh, it's called like low FODMAPs. And mm-hmm. I'll tell you that most of the high FODMAPs foods are superfoods. And it was weird for me to like give up all these things that I ate every day, whether it was cashews or avocados or almonds or, you yes. know, f- berries, fruits, tomatoes, bell peppers, all these things you talked about. You know, I could be, I could have two Brussels sprouts in a meal, two. Not wow. two servings, not two cups, two. <laughs> you know, wow. These are things that I eat all the time, right? So it was hard and I definitely still sometimes will go too hard back into some of those things and I have to pull myself back out. It's just interesting because you assume that you cannot eat too much of those things. Exactly. Yeah, it's fascinating. Exactly. Well, that's the hype. That's the hype, right?
1: Yeah, exactly. It's that it's a superfood and really it's, it's not like – it's like your kryptonite yeah totally. you know and so it's like understanding the, the you know obviously the, these diet these things it is the same sampling it's the same process that you had mm-hmm. um that they, they also do blood that you send in so that you can look at both Like they look at everything but it basically understands the strengths and weaknesses that play an important role to optimize reduce inflammation support cellular cellular functions and your microbiome and try to help Create a better environment for everything.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, and so, shifting into actual superfoods and taking a look at some of the most notorious legends of the trend. And of course, I am not going through every single one because there's so many of them. <laughs> um, I'm just going to talk about a few that have kind of little interesting stories behind them. Okay. And the first one is, you know, a long-standing darling of the superfood category, the blueberry.
0: Oh, classic! This classic. is like one of the first ones. I feel like in yeah. the nineties. Yeah, everything Huge. had blueberry in it.
1: Yeah. Yes, you're right. It was. It was in. It was in cereals. It was in Nutrigrain bars. It was in everything. I was just going to
0: say Nutrigrain bars. Which Nutrigrain bars? Can we just say again? Nutrigrain bars are not
1: healthy. No, they <laughs> and, and they're dry. They they're dry and gross. And I remember it was like, oh, instead of eating cereal, eat this. Like, it was, yes, they yes. had so much marketing behind it. They did. And I my mom was buy them. them.
0: We were never allowed to have sugary cereal because my mom thought it would make us hyper. But we were allowed I, to have Nutri-Grain bars. And they were essentially the same thing, but with like one was completely devoid of pleasure.
1: And that was the Nutri-Grain bar. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, exactly. It's kind of like a Fig Newton, but like, Kind of worse.
0: It might be good with a coffee, but you don't generally give coffee to kids. <laughs> yeah,
1: exactly. I don't know. Um <laughs> So you know, still to this day, the blueberry is considered a powerhouse. But Mm -hmm. in 1991, so you're right on this this time period. This
0: is blueberry time. This is
1: blueberry time. There was a rating tool that was developed by scientists from the National Institute on Aging and the USDA, and it is called the Oxygen Radical Absorbance Capacity.
0: Oh my gosh! Or ORAC. I remember hearing about radicals Mm -hmm. all the time at that point in like skincare and hair care and and foods. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my gosh.
1: And so this tool was used to measure antioxidant capacity in food. Um, And, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if you, I guess I would be surprised if you aren't aware, but for a little mini science lesson, antioxidants are these molecules that may, may, may help reduce free radicals in the body that are very damaging and cause cellular aging. So the foods high in antioxidants are considered very healthy in terms of that food as medicine. Mm -hmm. And so blueberries won the lottery and were found to have one of the highest amounts of antioxidants. In addition to spices like cocoa, berries and legumes, Um, I love the word legume. By the way, I've always loved it. Yeah. Um, Of course, the blue uh, the blueberry council of producers promoted them heavily as powerhouses for disease fighting, even if the science behind it was sort of eh. And then, twenty years after the OREC was developed, like I think it was like 2011, the USDA retracted the info. What? And removed the whole database after they determined that antioxidants have many functions, not all related to free radicals. Huh. And so the database was basically supporting a lot of misleading claims and marketing initiatives.
0: Sounds. I mean, this
1: this makes sense to me. Yeah. And they discover they decided that the ORAC was actually useless. <laughs> wow. Okay.
0: That's Isn't that funny? Intense. But like, of course, none of us knew that. No. Yeah. So we're all still like forcing ourselves to eat blueberry neutragre. But I still whatever.
1: think blueberries are actually still very healthy for you. Mm-hmm. I just they just don't know they just don't really know that much of, they don't know everything behind it, you know? Yeah. And you know, and so despite that retraction and the fact that I had never realized that they're Orac, I remember hearing about it. I didn't know that it got like cancelled. <laughs> I know,
0: that's <laughs> crazy.
1: It's still considered to be one of the, the most healthy foods.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I know. I mean, I'm not like a major fan of blueberries. I've just had too many that weren't very really good. Oh. Too many subpar blueberry experiences. I don't know. There's just like something about the texture that really gets to me sometimes. I like yeah. it in things.
1: Like a blueberry you know, pancake.
0: Just, yeah. Or like a blueberry jam or something like that mm-hmm. or like a blueberry smoothie, whatever. But just like eating blueberries sometimes, I just – the texture gets to me. I can't.
1: I don't know what yeah. it is. That's fruit for me. I don't, I just, I'm like a very I'm a poor consumer of fruit. I find it gross. <laughs>
0: me too. I do not, I eat a ton of vegetables every day, but yeah. I rarely eat fruit.
1: Fruit's hard. It has to be like, yeah, it has to be like pureed in a smoothie. <laughs>
0: <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, it's, everyone who loves fruit. I mean, I listen, I want wanted people to. Who love fruit. Yeah, I would love to love fruit. I just, also, like, you know, uh, most fruit is really high in FODMAPs and my stomach does not oh. like it. You know, so it's that good that sense. I don't, I don't get excited about fruit.
1: Yeah. Like, Oh, it's peach season. I'm like, ew, <laughs> blah, like a, like a fleshy, hairy like, yeah. <laughs> yard. No, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and of course, you know, according to this hard, hard uh, Harvard article, blueberry productions in the, in the U S doubled. From 1998 to 2006. And it has continued to increase every year through 2016. And I'm sure it still is, you know, one of the highest producing crops because of all the nutritional claims behind it. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Now, moving into the legendary, legendary pomegranate juice. I can't. Do you remember? Yes. The literal explosion of palm juice.
0: It was in the odds. I remember. Yeah. yeah. It and it, I remember trying it. So mm-hmm. there was a healthy, healthy grocery store near where I worked and, you know, the palm juice arrived and I was like, oh, this seems like something that I should have. Right. Mm-hmm. Disgusting. <laughs> I'm intense. sorry. I don't, it also makes my tongue numb. And someone told me that's probably a sign that I am mildly allergic to it. I think
1: you are. That's yeah. Kiwi does yeah. that to me.
0: Me too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I know kiwi is often considered a superfood too. I can't do it, but
1: no, I, can't I do just, it.
0: I still I feel like palm peaked because um, I don't see it as often.
1: Oh, but I'm going to tell you why. Okay. Tell me why. It's very interesting. I mean, it was, but it was practically crack cocaine for a while. And, um, palm. <laughs> <Basically. laughs> Juice pumped money into marketing and scientific studies around epic health and wellness claims. Ah. And since 1998, Palm supported over $34 million in research of their variety of pomegranates, including 19 clinical trials and multiple studies published in peer-reviewed journals. Wow. But... Now this is the interesting thing. This is one of the reasons why you don't see this as much. In 2010, the FTC charged them with misleading snake oil marketing and was uh, ordered to dial down the claims of the extent of health declarations. Wow! Isn't that crazy? That is crazy. it was everywhere.
0: It was I, everywhere, and It's of, gone one
1: of the ones in here. Yeah. Yeah. So a judge issued a cease and desist order after determining that the company had insufficient evidence to support claims that its juice reduced the risks of heart disease, prostate cancer, and erectile dysfunction. And in (laughs) fact, we're (laughs) misleading- Well, that's
0: how you make money off of Uh, it. There you go. Yeah, exactly,
1: exactly. (laughs) And we're in fact misleading consumers. And despite evidence towards- Unsupported and false health claims coming directly out of the research they were funding. Um, so, for example, the New York Times mentions in an article on the case back in the day, um, they say, Those results ignored the fact that as early as 2007, the company knew that a large study financed by the company showed no significant difference in arterial plaque buildup after 18 months between patients who drank POM and those who drank a placebo. The commission also stated that the company's prostate-related claims relied on a study that itself notes uncertainty as to whether the outcomes cited by the company were relevant as an indication of clinical benefit. It also said that the company's studies on erectile function, that again, produced no statistically significant results. So Palm, of course, strongly disputed the, the commission's assertion, saying... We do not make claims that our products act as drugs. What we do rather is communicate through advertising, marketing, uh, the promising science relating to pomegranates. (laughs) Consumers and their health providers have a right to know about this research and its results. Mm. Yeah. And so that's kind of why, you know, like they were using that as a marketing engine to drive a ton of these the sales and claims and then they had to to stop. They were wow. literally ordered to stop. And that's why you don't see pomegranate. But of course, we all think that pomegranate is like a superfood. I mean, I'm sure it, it has a ton of great health benefits still. Yeah, um, I mean it's it's fruit,
0: right? It's so fruit. like it's not it can be bad for you per se. But like mm-hmm. the problem is that like that kind of marketing leads you to believe that you should consume even more of it. And that's when it can become bad for you. Yeah.
1: I mean, it's mildly
0: inconvenient for you, Uh you know, it's just, it's ridiculous. I mean, I do, I know that there is so much of this in the area of health food. I mean, honestly, I, I was just talking on close horse with another guest about how, um, most of the data these days into like, Sustainability and recycled fabrics and whatnot is being paid for by like H H&M and M, Nike, yeah. and other big fast fashion players. So they're just paying to hear what they want, mm-hmm. you know. And it's the same kind of thing. Like you can try to pay to make pomegranates cure prostate cancer, if that's like uh, your target. You're going to find someone who's going to be able to judge the data to show that.
1: Totally, it's really messed up. Or they don't even judge the data. They get. Un- <laughs> they <laughs> like, don't even judge it yeah, the data is just like I, 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 there's nothing here and they're like okay well let's just say it helps with <laughs> right, it's so much. <laughs> yeah I mean that's a bold one That's just a, that's a lie <laughs> yeah <laughs> that's just lying. Ridiculous. Like, and I think it's really funny that they're like, okay, what, what does the consumer, what are the biggest concerns that we could actually drive? And you're like, okay, we can't do the diet or wellness because, or the diet culture because it's too much sugar. Like if you drank Mm -hmm. too much, you would gain weight obviously, but oh, penises. People will pay (laughs) for penis health. People who get paid for cancer. For
0: penis health.
1: So let's go after some research on these things.
0: Yeah. It's really messed up. I mean, this mm-hmm. is happening all the time, right? But it is yeah. like, man, pomegranate. I mean, I knew, I knew. I was like, there's just something about this that doesn't add up. And it was in everything for a yeah. while there.
1: I mean, everything. they put so much money. And it was like, I think that they grew them here in california or something they had their own pomegranates and breed of pomegranate and they were just trying they were just driving wow. sales. remember how expensive they were too
0: um yeah well the juice was like five dollars this was in yeah. a pre-kombucha era so that was yes. spendy.
1: it was a it was very spendy it was not wow. I, I couldn't afford it wow. that was like a real a real treat you know
0: yeah yeah well apparently it didn't do anything
1: uh, <laughs> who knows you never know it all adds up over time. Did your
0: erectile it? dysfunction work itself out? It got while better. You were...
1: It got way better. <laughs> I'm just telling you all that pome- pomegranate cheese. <laughs> so we can't talk about superfoods without talking kale. Yeah, I mean, yeah. come on, guys. Got right? Like, what? What am I doing? Why did I even just lead with kale?
0: Does that help with erectile dysfunction?
1: I'm sure it does. I'm sure, it,
0: th- it probably does. Actually,
1: I'm not so I'm a, not a little bit. It doesn't hurt it. it. It doesn't hurt it. I don't think.
0: (laughs) We're not doctors.
1: No. So (laughs) kale took off in the late aughts and early aughties with Bon Appetit declaring that 2012 was the year of kale. And USA Mm -hmm. Today reported that kale increased on restaurant menus by 400% between 2008 and 2013. But prior to 2013 a little known fact that of course neil knew and i was like how do you know that um the biggest consumer for kale was in fact pizza hut who used it in their buffets to decorate
0: <laughs> of course they did any buffet was doing that oh my gosh Gee, i put a is
1: picture in so there funny they I were the biggest consumer. But I didn't saw the photo and I was like,
0: "What is that?" I was like, "Is that soup plantation?" Um. Yeah. No. <laughs> I. Be, I believe it. I. I remember. I mean, I. I was a pretty early adopter of kale because I wanted to eat greens, and I just I don't like spinach. I yeah. tried to love spinach so hard, so hard. In the odds, it's all we had. It's mm-hmm. so all we had was spinach, right? And so I was I had started to get into kale and I remember buying it and someone someone coming over to my house and being like, Why do you have all this garnish in your refrigerator? Yeah. And I was like, <laughs> that's kale. It's like real food. And they're like, You can eat that? And I'm like, What? Yeah. Uh, but now this is why. This is why yeah. no one thought you could eat it.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's why, because n- no one did eat it.
0: Also, how sad is it that they would be wasting all this delicious food
1: on their yeah. buffet?
0: Yeah. Like not for eating, for garnishing, just
1: for garnish, right?
0: Weird. That is so funny.
1: <laughs> so, what happened? Well, actually, a lot of things. Um, and really, you know, that rides in farm-to-table trends, like the restaurants mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and cookbooks and everything, and increased awareness of health and conspicuous health consciousness, like the kale sweatshirt rituals. Um. <laughs> are a few really big ones but uh, really actually it was right time right place and social media yeah. and you know celebrities and high profile food bloggers really led the charge of this interest in kale and started utilizing it because it was health it was it was conspicuously health conscious um, oh my
0: goodness we're all and- so embarrassing i know
1: <laughs> gwyneth paltrow Gave Kale a real platform that it needed in 2011 (laughs) when she made her infamous Kale Chips live on Ellen. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It was like a crowd pleaser. People could not believe what they were watching. You know, it took (laughs) off. And then, of course, the Beyonce sweatshirt uh, with Uh the Kale on it, it just became basically its own pop culture icon.
0: Yeah, and I mean it. It still is, I think.
1: It, you know, it is. It's not as it's not as crazy as it used no, to be. No, no. FSR magazine reports that from 2013 to 2014, a survey of restaurant menus showed a 47 percent increase in the word kale. I mean, now you could still find the word kale. I mean, I'll still buy things that say kale. I think, yeah, kale is just a lot more appropriate thing to eat. You know, like people actually mm-hmm. know, like like you say, it's not a garnish anymore.
0: Right, right. It's now it's food. It's
1: now it's food. Yeah, it's food. It's and and it can be made really deliciously.
0: Yeah, yeah. Definitely. And
1: in 2019, Amanda Mull wrote an article for the Atlantic titled "The Saddest Leafy Green." America never really liked kale. What I know, I know. I'm like you're. I do. I do too. I still eat it. Yeah, I. Um, I mean, it's
0: good. It's satisfying.
1: It is. It is – set, and it doesn't – you can, like, you can like dress something and let it soak on there for days.
0: And it's delicious. It just gets better. It's still fine. Yeah. It
1: just gets better. Yeah. But she breaks down – I actually found this part really interesting. The yearly winter vegetable trend cycle that well-known grocery stores across the nation are aware of.
0: Mm, okay.
1: And I'm going to read a little excerpt. Okay. She says, uh, every January, the produce drawers in America's refrigerators fill up with shame. The moment comes at the end of a three-vegetable trend that runs through the holidays. First, in mid-November, the country happily becomes obsessed with Brussels sprouts, or Brussels sprouts, as Americans tend to spell it, Uh, likely in anticipation of Thanksgiving and its many delicious, often bacon-laden side dishes. Next, after sprouts have had their day in the sun, spinach ascends and almost always peaks in December. Christmas, after all, requires side dishes, but you have to mix it up or your cousins will talk. By January, though, things have changed. The mood is darker. America is ready to repent for the imagined sins of, quote-unquote, enjoying food and, quote, cooking things that taste good. And January begin belongs to kale. So she argues that kale was really just a blip. You know, food trends usually last 10 to 20 years before winning. And the kale trend really hit its peak in 2014, overcoming spinach in search trends. But now, only a few years later, it's back down to pre-2011 times. But that's just for searches, of course. Um, And half of its search property of the 2014 high. I think it's just people are trying to figure out what it was, you know?
0: Yeah, yeah. But she
1: is arguing that it's – you know, people just weren't into kale in the first place and it's gross.
0: I <laughs> call bullshit. I, I Kale is great. But-, but yeah, I mean I can see it's not – it's not for everyone. I mean but the same thing like we all know people who don't like vegetables. Mm-hmm. I mean I, I – I One of my sisters does not like vegetables, like doesn't like them at all. My dad doesn't like vegetables. My brother also does not like vegetables. And so I'm glad that I like vegetables because I think it's a lot harder when you don't. And you have to like – like if you eat some Brussels sprouts, it's got to be like cooked with bacon. Or like if you have asparagus, Mm -hmm. it has to have like a whole stick of butter on it. And, you know, if you are a person who doesn't like vegetables, you definitely do not like kale because it is like the vegetable – it's, it is so
1: vegetable-y. Yeah, I mean, you can though. You know, because it can be kind of bitter or hard. Like, if you eat it in, if you don't eat it, what like in a, in a with a good recipe,
0: yeah,
1: you will hate it.
0: You have to learn how to cook it. That's one hundred percent true. It just has to be prepared
1: pre- correctly, and then it's really good. Yeah, it's great. It's great. Like in soups or in a kale Caesar salad, seriously, <laughs> with some lemon, have, you know, like it's the balance.
0: Have a kale Caesar salad and get back to me.
1: I mean, I I love also if you if you like um, really finely finely cut the kale down so it's like these little shreds, and that's the salad. I, and I mix it with like parmesan, lemon, and garlic, and olive oil, and like some different toppings, and it's just it's really good hmm Yeah. I don't really yeah. need to sell you on it, but, you know, that's, that's – yeah, it's definitely a Kim it's just special. About learn,
0: it's definitely learning how to cook it. And I think – Or sneak it
1: into things.
0: Yeah. Yeah. You know, because we – and we've talked about this before. We did not uh, get exposed to a lot of good vegetable dishes Mm-mm. growing up, right? And it's because, like, our, our parents just didn't know how to cook vegetables. You know, things were all canned or frozen and then cooked for a long time. And, you know – there there's skill to cooking vegetables and it's just really good to like look up recipes and memorize them and you start to understand how to work with them and then you're like oh vegetables are amazing i Mm -hmm. definitely thought for example that i hated peas that i hated carrots i think i thought that i hated most vegetables until i became an adult and i was like oh vegetables aren't mushy disgusting things that you have to eat first just to get through them
1: <laughs> yes, exactly, yeah. and are only served with some salt and butter on them, but yeah. but from, from from originally our frozen or canned version. Always.
0: <laughs> Always, I'm like, wait, you're telling me that you can buy fresh
1: vegetables? What? <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. Amazing.
1: And so apparently, although sales of kale are down from their, like, 2014 peak, they are definitely not down by half. You know, and it and it does appear, you know, from sales data that consumers are moving to other vegetables like Brussels sprouts and spinach. All mm. seeing positive comps, where kale has seen some negative comps. But I really feel like, you know, kale is here to stay. People now now got used to it, and it's never just going to be a garnish again. It has seamlessly. No, it's a, seamlessly, it's it's a, a staple. Yeah. It has transitioned into the lexicon of the American diet. And you know what? It, it probably just doesn't extremely trendy as much as it was in 2014 when like you know we know what happens when social media or a celebrity takes over you know it can kind of contradict those like usual 10 to 20 year food trends because it just has like such a shorter life cycle but it also introduced this 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 food that was never really eaten now into the american diet that i just don't see it ever going anywhere
0: yeah I agree it's just it's just it's what's for dinner
1: and I do agree it is a pretty super food
0: it is it is I feel good about kale. They don't need to sell me on any claims. I don't know if there's like big kale out there that's been manipulating us but kale is it's legit it's legit yeah it's not super flashy it's no no, <laughs> no. I'm, I'm upset no. about this palm thing
1: <laughs> I know and I know you can't not trust rude. anyone yeah yeah all right, so I have a couple more. Okay. Hold on to your hats. Almonds. Almonds <laughs> and almond milk. It's one of my last superfoods. Okay. And I'm not talking about this and it is a doozy. And <laughs> it's like, I, I'm like, ooh, I don't really feel like I want to eat almonds anymore. And actually, technically, Viome says I should not i should be reducing my almonds. I shouldn't be eating them.
0: I and haven't been eating them either. If so. I eat
1: them raw, they give me a terrible stomach ache. So me too. So I am too. allergic. Yeah. Me
0: too. Yeah. And I actually don't even – I don't even do almond milk anymore. Because I think it was also like upsetting my stomach. And almonds, yeah. I mean, you're gonna, I know you have bad news about almonds because I do. there's a lot of bad news about almonds.
1: Yeah, I do. So the trend in demand for almond products has increased so dramatically over the past few years that it has actually become harmful to the planet and just people. And almond milk sales grew by about 250% between 2011 and 2015. And almond butter production tripled since 2011. So did you know that almonds demand a ton of water? Which, Mm. of course, puts a huge strain on resources, especially since California, which is notorious for its droughts, produces 80% of the global almond supply. One single almond takes one gallon of water to produce it.
0: That is insane. And like almonds yeah. – I mean, I don't think I read as much almond stuff as I was. But like definitely in the oddies, like almonds, 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 mm-hmm. you know? Like mm-hmm. eat an almond. Just have an almond.
1: Almonds. Or like people – yeah, they, they would just like eat six almonds. That was their diet. <laughs> I yep. feel like I saw that on a TV show or something. <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, so obviously it's – not only does it take a lot of water – but, like, the people in a lot of these drought-ridden co- counties, like, there's a lot of um, upheaval that the water, which is precious, is going to these fucking almond farms that, where the demand is just outrageous. And, of course, they're trying to meet the demand. They're trying to make more. They're taking more of the water supply, you know. Um, mm mm-hmm. It, it's it's clearly not good for anyone around, in, anyone in California, you know? Well, so, you know, I was thinking yeah.
0: also like, you know, the rise of like bars are like almonds are a big yes. part of that too. Like, you know, like kind bars and yeah. Luna bars and Lara bars and all, bars, 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 bars. There's so much almond in a lot yeah. of those. Um, and Like, people just eat them – I don't know. Like, I just keep going back to going to Costco where, like, there are just pallets of this stuff. There's almonds everywhere at Costco.
1: Almond flour is, like, a gluten alternative. Yeah.
0: I mean, I use it. Mm -hmm. I get it. Like, I mean, it upsets my stomach, so that's another one that I had to, like, move away from. But I was definitely consuming a lot of almonds for a while there. Mm
1: -hmm. So they also use a ton of fertilizer and pesticides which we all know are not healthy for the environment. And you know what? They're also not healthy for the bee population, which of course bees are a precious commodity. And a lot of those pesticides are really lethal to the honeybees. And, you know, every year honeybees hives are transported across the country during the almond bloom, blooming season uh nearly one point seven million hives or eighty five percent of the available commercial hives in the u s uh, um are are brought in and a billion bees die every every year during this season because of the pesticides hmm. and like the 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 demand and like the demand for them and the demand it puts on them to pollinate so many um almonds. Uh, The conversation.com shares that roughly 1 million acres of almond trees collectively bloom over a three week period every February, creating spectacular scenic views, but also putting enormous pressure on the farmers to pollinate them quickly. So each almond acre requires roughly two honeybee hives each of which typically houses one colony of about 20,000 bees with 2 million hives needed. That's well more than half the total U.S. hive population. Jeez. So one reason so many beekeepers make that long trek is because almond pollination fees are especially high. The average price ah. of, of $171 per hive in 2017. But it does seem like you're also going to lose a lot of bees. You know, 171 doesn't seem like a lot of money to lose a lot of bees. Yeah. So they're basically, you know, of course you can also think of the, um, the, the carbon emissions of, and the gas emissions of transporting hives across country to pollinate every single year. Huh. Um, so the pressure for more almonds puts a lot of strain on these honeybees. And we really risk reducing populations that we, can, we should not be reducing all because we want more almond milk for our coffee, Amanda. Dude, I mean, it's interesting. Like, do you
0: know, is there a an, an milk alternative that is not totally bad for the planet? <laughs> I think I think oat milk. I think so too. I think it must be oat milk because mm-hmm. oats are a lot oh, flax, more- flax flax milk. I, yeah, I drink I flax milk. I could see that. Yeah. It seems like a lot of the nut milks all mm-hmm. have a dark side and so does mm-hmm. coconut milk. So it's like-
1: You know, what do you do? What do you do? Right? What do you do? I know. I mean, I'm just delivering some bad news.
0: I mean, the thing with almonds, like, I learned this back when I was working with you at Nasty Gal because um, Sherry read about it Mm -hmm. and shared an article with me. And so I knew and, you know, we were – I mean, L.A. is almost always in a drought. And so it really really got into my head. And I was like, you know, I don't even really – it's not like I love almonds or love almond milk. No. So I don't need to have them, but after I was aware of that and the amount of water, I mean, just hearing you talk about it makes me sick. Thinking about that, knowing that, it's like, why are people just eating almonds all the time, know. <laughs> all the time? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's really appalling.
1: Yeah, is, <sighs> yeah, I definitely, I definitely was drinking almond milk before this episode and i now do not drink well that also in the biome thing told me not to, to do the al- almonds but the, like that's just a clincher of like mm, i don't need almonds yeah. um and then this is my last one in my in my more bad news and more facts <laughs> I didn't cool. know, but I mean, I'm glad to know.
0: I mean, like we're upset about pomegranates. Well, I don't know. Is anyone upset about that? I mean, I'm just not really. I'm not surprised. I, it's just I, just I Yeah. juice. I th- I knew there was some flimflammery there, but the almonds thing is pretty devastating. So what what do you got? What's next? All right,
1: well, Amanda, I think you're gonna hate me on this one, but it's quinoa.
0: <laughs> oh no, I knew there was bad. Oh, you did! You know there's some bad stuff. We try to limit our quinoa production, not production consumption, here mm. in this house for that reason. I mean, I just, I feel like all we do is take nice stuff and ruin it. We do.
1: We love yeah. to do that. This is an ancient grain and a superfood, mm. and the quinoa trend has been absolutely devastating to the local populations that grow it. So interest in quinoa has been spiking, you know, as a high protein, nutrient dense and gluten free grain that Americans just can't seem to get enough of. And between 2014 and 2015, the percentage of food and drink products containing quinoa rose by 27%. So this surge in demand over the past decade has created repercussions for the natives in the countries that produce quinoa. And have used it, they have used quinoa as a staple food source, like uh, actually staple and nutritious food source for thousands of years. Mm -hmm. So for example, Bolivians, Mm -hmm. you know, who cannot afford the grain anymore, because demand has driven up the price so much. And, you know, they're not a rich country, you know, they're a pretty poor country. so taking away one of their most nutritious food sources and making it completely unaffordable is obviously dead. It's devastating and it's creating a crisis and malnourished people because they have to purchase refined grains at the store. It's the only thing they can afford. Um, and of course, you know, the face the, the nation also faces decreased soil fertility as farmers mine their soil to grow quinoa year after year to meet the Western demand. You know, instead of using their traditional methods that rotate the crops, you know, ne- like normally, you know, in a sustainable way. Um, and so it's kind of, it's it's depressing the region even more with having decreased fo- soil fertility. I mean, the big thing is the fact that people that traditionally have relied on it as a food source can no longer afford it. Ugh, and it's and just so it's- sad.
0: It's like – so uh, quinoa is interesting. It's a case study and things becoming trendy and then we ruin it. So Yes. In like the 90s and the, and the aughts, quinoa was pretty niche here in the United States. Like you would mm-hmm. have to go to a health food store, maybe a Whole Foods, and you would have to get it from the bulk section. And you had to know what it was and how to cook it. Like I definitely didn't have quinoa until I was like in my early 20s. You know, uh-huh. it just wasn't – It's not a a thing that my family ate, you know? Yeah. And it was pretty niche. And then I remember as we got into the Audis and everybody was trying to hashtag live authentic. You know, they'd gotten over palm juice. They'd moved on to almonds. They were making, you know, avocado toast and bowls and all this stuff. Well, A lot of rice, like brown rice. Yeah. All of a sudden, you started to see – brown rice, another one. You started Mm -hmm. to see quinoa, brown rice, other – ancient grains and whatnot, making their ways into other products and really being adopted by, like, big brands. Mm -hmm. Like, go to the store and suddenly, like, you know, Uncle Ben's also has a quinoa blend. And you're like, why? Yeah. Why? You know? Exactly. Quinoa pasta was one of those things. When I first found out I had celiac disease, uh, it was a time when gluten-free hadn't become a trend yet. And so, like, there was very little gluten-free food out there. And let me tell you, it was all terrible. Terrible. (laughs) I remember buying, being like, oh, it's no big deal. Like, I got to be gluten-free now. I go to Whole Foods, bought a bunch of gluten-free stuff, including these gluten-free bagels. I'm like, they look great, right? I put one in the toaster, and it smelled like I was microwaving a dog biscuit. It was (laughs) disgusting. It tasted terrible. This this is what we had then, and I remember when quinoa pasta. It was disgusting. It was disgusting. They shouldn't even be allowed to sell things that bad. The technology has has improved a
1: lot, right? <laughs> like, I don't think that there enough. was anyone food. There's no, no testers in the kitchen.
0: No, they were just like, eh, it's gluten free, someone will eat it. And, like, to be fair, <laughs> I was like, well, am I, I, I had to have conversations with myself. Like, am I desperate enough to have a bagel? to eat this thing that smells like a dog biscuit and is like really <laughs> dense and does Ugh. not taste good. Um, the answer was no, I'm not actually, nope. you know? Um, but I remember when quinoa pasta began to appear, you know, first at Whole Foods and places like that. And then, you know, at the regular grocery store, I was happy about that. Cause I was like, this is an actual gluten-free pasta option. That is yes. pretty good, you know? And high protein. And hyper, yeah. I was like, this is great. But then you start to see it's like now we're making quinoa cereals and quinoa frozen meals. And like, mm-hmm. it's like a quinoa lean cuisine and stuff like that. And, you know, <laughs> we were at the grocery store the other day and they had all these like weird microwavable cups. They were like Del Monte or something like that. Oh, they were God. like about three tablespoons of quinoa mixed with like a couple spoons of vegetables. I and mean, they look terrible, but like, yeah. Like, why? Why do we need that? We don't. And like it's just so wasteful of this really important resource and it didn't need to be that way. It Mm -hmm. just did not have to happen. The same thing with almonds just being in like everything, you know? It didn't – that didn't need to happen. And I wish we would all just go back to drinking
1: pomegranate juice. That wasn't hurting anyone. (laughs) I mean, I'm sure it was. I'm sure the pomegranate was also consuming a lot of, you know. Oh, I'm
0: sure. I'm sure. I mean, you know, all of these things, all of these trendy foods, these superfoods, it's like all things in moderation, you know. And unfortunately, the marketing around these is so beguiling. You know, we all want to feel good. We want to look good. We want to live a long time. We want to be healthy. Uh,
1: we we you want these, that magic ticket,
0: yeah. And these things are appealing, right? Yeah. And and it's it's unfortunate. I mean, I'm trying. I don't know. You know, I I was talking to my mother in law recently, and, she, and I know she doesn't listen to this podcast, but she was talking about how <laughs> my father in law, uh, you know, Dustin's father, uh, is just turning into like a bitter old man. <laughs> Yeah. And she's like, ah, it she it doesn't trust anyone. It's, sever-, you know, this, that. And I was like, man, I mean, I, I, I get it yeah. to a certain extent where I'm like, everyone's trying to flim flam me and trick, it's all, mar- everything's marketing. And like, we yeah. fall for it because that's why marketing is, go- is successful, you know, like, yeah, it exactly. works. And, you know, it, it's with food, especially, it's just, it can become like, s- not only is it like, Bad for your health after a certain point, and like taking your money that maybe you didn't need to, you know, give away in that way. It's also hurting other people in the planet. And I think there needs to be more conversations about that. Like, I guarantee most people who listen to this episode didn't know about almonds and quinoa. They're probably right. eating some right now,
1: you know? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> An almond quinoa bowl with pomegranate seeds.
0: (laughs) Yes. Yeah. Yeah. But, I mean, these are all things I see. I see a lot less food photos on Instagram these days. Is it the pandemic? Have I just stopped following people like that? I don't know. And I don't mean, like, food photos per se. I mean, like, there was just this time. I mean, I guess the that girl, you know, Mm -hmm. trend is still part of this where you'd have to take a picture of your, like, perfect superfood breakfast right your avocado toast or your bowl or whatever. Yes. And I see a lot less of that now. Um I'm glad. You know, I'm glad. Yeah,
1: me too. I am. Yeah. I'm glad too. Yeah, it's it's yeah. nice. I mean, I wonder what the next superfood trend cuz they they just keep coming. Dirt. It's probably just good to eat dirt. dirt.
0: Just it's full of vitamins and minerals. It grows the plants, right? Crickets. Oh, oh, man. I saw Here's a, here's a superfood trend I didn't want to get involved in. When the cicadas were coming out for the year, I was seeing some people with, with cicada recipes on Instagram or being like, you know, why? Why mm-hmm. isn't the government, like, helping us learn how to cook, you know, cicadas and all this stuff? And I was oh, like, I'm wow. just not ready for it. I'm no. not ready. I just I'm not ready to right eat Yeah. Yeah, I can't. Um, I can't. I can't. And, you know, if I had to, I guess I would, but I'm just not there yet. It'll be interesting because, like, I feel like there are some foods that never, never really get the appreciation they deserve. So, like, when's cabbage going to be the trend? Poor right. humble cabbage, right? I mean, sauerkraut. Is sauerkraut going to be trendy? I did have some today. I like sauerkraut. Me too. Mm. Yeah. Like, when's that, when's that going to be a thing? I'm trying to think of other foods. You know what hasn't been popular for a really long time?
1: Apples. Mm. Pears. That's true. No and one they, cares.
0: No one cares. I mean, they are
1: on my superfood list.
0: Good, good. Mm. Um, yeah, I I just, I think, you know, even like blueberries have always been like, oh, they're like the healthy food, but no one ever talks about raspberries. That's true. Should we start a trend? Should we just pick one? Poison berries. <laughs>
1: Boysenberries always an berries, all.
0: Yeah, <laughs> lingonberries.
1: <laughs> berries, yes.
0: All the most of the berries unloved. Yeah. You know, I remember like if papaya had a moment. Papaya definitely had a yeah. moment. Mango had a moment. Celery people are always doing that celery juice thing. Don't oh, do it. A- that was Don't, disgusting. I know, I know. Talk about doing things that just make you miserable. Fennel. <laughs> fennel. I feel like fennel needs to come back. Fennel should come back. I think fennel should be a it. hot trend because it's like it's good in things, but like imagine if you just had to sit down and eat some fennel. Mm. Like it would be rough. Tough. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that is. Yeah. yeah. You'd be doing it for health. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it'll be interesting. I would love to hear from everyone in the audience. Like, what do you what do you think? Like, What's an unsung food that we need to bring back? Like, is it time for cottage cheese to come rare and back from the yeah. 70s? <laughs> yeah, I think
1: so. I actually have some. I love it.
0: Or like, I don't know if your grandparents did this, but my grandparents, they ate half a grapefruit with breakfast every morning. Oh. Like they have the special spoons mm-hmm. with like the serrated edges. Mm-hmm. Bring back grapefruit. Yeah. That's yeah. a good idea. That's yeah. a good idea. Pro- probably that's bad for someone somewhere to yeah. if everybody starts eating grapefruit again. But I feel like cabbage is a low is a low stakes one.
1: I think so. Yeah, I think it just needs to be prepared. Bark? grass, wheatgrass. <sighs> remember when wheatgrass was trending? Oh my god, I do remember when wheatgrass was trending. <laughs> Ugh. <laughs>
0: um, yeah, I mean, I just feel like you know, coconut oil has a sad story attached to it. There's a lot of hmm. abuse and exploitation attached I mean, to avocados. coconut oil. Avocados. I know they use like I mean they use a lot of water too. Um, it's just it, yeah. I don't, I don't know. Lima beans. You know, let's – there's one. There you go.
1: What's the that's bad news easy about one. lima beans? Yeah. That's an easy one. Classic. Well, thank you for <laughs> listening to my whole spiel on more food. And we promise this, that's the last real food-focused one we'll do in a while.
0: In a while. Yeah, we've got some fun stuff coming up. But I'm glad mm-hmm. that all this told a story that I think is really important. Which is that – Food is just as trendy as clothes and mm-hmm. furniture and cars and places you live and music and we all adopt that's the trend cycles work in the same way uh, and they're connected to other trends, yeah, you know, like the rise of quinoa and and almonds and all these other things attached to like a flavor, yeah, exactly, exactly, you know. And, like, meditation apps and yoga and all these things, they're all attached to one another. And when they go away, something else comes in. Mm -hmm. And so uh, it's nice to see how these all fit together and define specific eras. Agreed. Agreed. Now, uh, nobody got back to us about investing In our new bile beans company. Uh, (laughs) Yeah, when are bile beans coming back? Bile beans, bile beans, bile (laughs) beans. Bring them back. What could go wrong? (laughs) (laughs) What could go wrong? (laughs) All right. Well, we are taking next week off and we'll be back the week after that with something fun that has nothing to do with food. Awesome. All right. Bye, everyone.
1: Thank you.